Voluntary Input is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Welcome to Voluntary Input. My name is Leo Allen. Uh, we're kind of kicking it right off tonight. Uh, keeping with the theme of, you know, I promised you guys at the end of last year that we're going to do some shows where we talk to some people that have some inspirational and motivational stories. My guest tonight is Mr. Bob DePasquale, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, sir. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> you, you literally just taught me how to say it. <laughs> Uh, you got it right. You got it right. Most people, most people can't quite get it, but you got it. It's it's a so. unique name. What is that? Is that? Uh, it's Italian. Italian, yeah. Uh, that's what you I was know. going to say, but I hate always hate to assume because then I end up getting it wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, just starting off, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, my name is Bob DePasquale. I am actually a New Yorker. Uh, I was born in New York, but I've lived in South Florida for most of my life. And so there are quite a few Italians up in that area of the in that area of the country. And so my grandparents came straight off the boat, and and my parents were uh, part of a huge family. At least my my at least my mom was, and uh, they decided to move down to South Florida. And I've been living down here most of my life. So I'm a Floridian, uh, Italian, but I'm also German, Swedish, and Norwegian too. So I'm quite a mix. <laughs> and, uh, a true American. But, uh, you know, I, I would say I appreciate your introduction too. you know, I, I am, I'm the host of the Speaking of Impact podcast, and we love to talk about making positive impact in the world and, and taking positive action, you know, being aggressive in a good way. And that's what we love to talk about. So uh, that's, that's really my story in short. And I just appreciate the time, Leo. It's, it's good to be on with you guys. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Um, and I was reading through your story there, and it talks about um, how you survived cancer at 18 yeah yeah so that's this is this is a this is a pretty long story i'm uh i, I can share it absolutely love to talk about it we have time <laughs> <laughs> good good because you're gonna need it uh, i'll give you i'll give you the the most important parts and so i mentioned how my family had moved down to florida when i was three so i was pretty young i didn't obviously i, I actually remember a little bit about our small little house that we had up in new york when i was when i was very young but when I turned 18, I had the opportunity to go back to New York and live up near where my, my parents, both of my parents' families were from, and go to Hofstra University, which is in Long Island, New York. And I don't know, I, you know, when you were 18, I don't know what it, what it felt like for you, but I felt like I was this invincible, oh, yeah. indestructible, crazy person, right? Yeah. And I was going off to college. I was going to be playing in sports. I was getting away from home. Not that I didn't have a loving home. I, I was very blessed. My parents were great, great people growing up. And 
I had this opportunity though to go off and do my own thing. So I so I went off and and while I was in training camp, so you, you know when you when you play college athletics, a little bit different than high school sports, and you had to be there a month early before class even starts. And we were in a training camp. I mean, two a days, working hard, uh, away from home, living living in a small dorm room when I was used to having a little bit more space when I was at home. I take this was football. Yeah, playing okay. football. Yep. And sorry if I didn't clarify that. So I I. Pretty early in training camp, I I tweaked my groin. Now I don't know if you've ever pulled a groin muscle. But, <laughs> I try to avoid it. <laughs> but like that, that's one of those things where I don't even think you know what it does until you have an injury there, right? Right. So, that's what everyone tells me. He's like, no, you don't you don't know it until <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, it. <laughs> do you really want to pull that muscle? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so I I tweaked my groin muscle and I was doing these training exercise, these re- recovery, like rehab exercises. So I mentioned the difference between high school and college athletics. So if you ever play high school sports, you probably had some kind of training staff or somebody or a volunteer or somebody who would throw some ice on your, <laughs> on your injuries. And if you went to a big enough high school, you might've actually had a licensed trainer. But when you go to college, it's way different. Now, all of a sudden you have a whole staff of people and we had this big, long, rectangular training room that was probably, I don't know, 50, 60 feet long, right, by maybe 30 width. So it's a pretty big room. And But there's still 100 guys on the team plus a huge staff. And in the mornings before your first practice, which started around 6, so you got to figure around 5 in the morning, this room is rocking. I mean, it's packed. It's got all these people getting taped, getting warmed up, getting all kinds of treatments. And for about a week, I was my treatment was to sit on a three-wheeled stool and shimmy across this entire room. Now, <laughs> if you if you don't have a pulled groin and you're just doing this for fun and there's no one there, not a bad exercise. But for me, with my groin injury, plus 100 people in the room dodging in and out of people is actually very, very tiring, exhausting, to be quite honest with you. So so one day, it's about a week into me doing this, the, the head trainer stands up in the middle of the room. And remember, it's loud in there because there's all this commotion. Now, I still don't know if it just suddenly got quiet, <laughs> the heavens just parted, or he somehow got everyone to be quiet, but it suddenly got quiet enough for him to yell across the room and say, hey, Bobby, what are you still doing in here? Get on that. You need to be back on the field playing. Now, when you're this invincible, at least you think so, 18-year-old kid, getting called out by the trainer on how weak you are. In front of everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I felt like a jerk. Well, anyway, needless to say, he actually had, I I told him, listen, Rick, I I can't move. Like, I'm still hurt. So we had a meeting, a more like a more private meeting after that or something. And he said, you know what? If there really is something wrong, you need to go to the doctor. Uh-huh. So I went to the doctor and over the next two weeks or so, I had a series of tests that kept being more comprehensive. And the there was a Thursday afternoon that my parents were supposed to come up for my first college football game. Now, they knew at this point I wasn't playing because I could barely run. Right. Or, or could even walk. And the game was on Saturday. So there's a couple of days before the game. Now I had this appointment with a doctor and they were flying in kind of during the same period of time. I came, I, I came out of that. When I came out of that meeting, my parents called me right away. Now in that meeting, my doctor sat me down 
And he was pretty blunt about it. He's like, hey, Bobby, uh, I hate to tell you this, but you have cancer. Oh. And I was like, what? Like, I couldn't even fathom. It wasn't even the first thing on my mind. Right. And then, of course, my parents call me <laughs> right mm. after I come back. And I had to tell my mom on the phone while she's in the car on the way to my uncle's house where we were meeting. We we're going to meet back at my uncle's, her, her brother's. And I had to tell her and I could tell that she was just like in shock. And my dad, you know, I could hear him like sitting next to her in the car, like, oh, what's going on? Susan, Susan. Right. So anyway, we, we meet back at my uncle's house and obviously we shed some tears. We commiserate. I, we, we just didn't know what to even think was going on. So the next couple of days were a blur. And then that Saturday, which was the day of this game that we were supposed to have, my uncle's best friend came over the house. Now we didn't know this guy because we lived down in Florida. So we had never met him before ever. And he was the nicest man. And mm -hmm. he said, here, Bob and Susan, my parents' names, here's, here's the keys to my car. You can have it. You take it for as long as you need. I know you're going to need to go through a bunch of tests and you have no idea. Can't imagine what's going on with you and your son right now. Mm. So it was like our guardian angel. I mean, this guy was amazing. And, and we just thanked him so much. And he was there for maybe 15 minutes and he left. And we were like, wow, this guy is amazing. His name was Tim. Right. So that was Saturday. A couple of days later, it's a Monday now. And my oncologist told me to take classes still. He's like, you can't just do nothing with yourself. We've got to do some treatments. But that you got to keep your mental fortitude. Right. So right. went to my first college class on that Monday morning. And it was fine. Pretty normal day. And went back and, you know, I had some tests that day, did whatever I needed to do. The next day I woke up, went to my second college class on Tuesday. And I came out of this class and I went to the cafeteria. Now, do you remember those like tube televisions that, that would hang like in the corner of a cafeteria? Yeah. Before, Before flat screens. screens. Yeah. <laughs> right. This thing was like from the year of the flood. So I'm watching TV on this. I can barely see. But as I'm eating an egg sandwich or some kind of breakfast, something or other, a plane comes and the news is on and a plane comes and hits the Twin Towers. Oh, it was then. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is oh my crazy. Goodness. What, a, what a terrible accident. My first thought. So I called my dad and I was yeah. like, hey, dad, what's up? You know, I just got out of class. I saw you watching the news. He's like, yeah, of course I'm watching it. And then like a couple seconds later, bam, the next plane mm. hits the, the other towers. And we were like, whoa, something's wrong. So my dad's like, you better, you better come back to the house now. So I hopped in the car and what would normally take me a 15 minute drive took me nine hours. Hmm. And, and I have a master's degree in broadcast journalism now. Right. I will. And I love radio and mm -hmm. I will never listen to nine straight hours of AM radio again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, it was incredible. And, and, you know, I'm in New York, so the towers are kind of like smoking, like way, right. way in the distance. And it was just, oh, my gosh. It was an incredible thing. So my, I ran out of gas, actually, in my uncle's neighborhood. And we had to push my car into the driveway there. And my uncle, who was on business in Denver the night before, and he was supposed to fly back to New York that morning. And and the family was panicking. My, my aunt was besides herself because her husband couldn't get a hold of him. Well, thank God he called later that evening or afternoon. And he's like, oh, gosh, you're okay. Great. He's like, well, I'm going to try to catch a flight tomorrow if I can get back, but I'm okay. So they're like, all right, great. Well, <clears throat> they couldn't get a hold of Tim, my uncle's best friend. And it turns out he was in the towers that morning and he perished. Oh, my goodness. And 
it was just another like knockout punch to the family. And it was, it was a crazy, that was a, the craziest five day period of my life. So yeah, I, I had cancer plus all that all at the same time. And oh I will God. never, ever forget that time and period. What was, um, if you don't mind me asking, where was the cancer? It was testicular cancer. So oh. the groin injury was kind of, what well, wasn't actually a groin injury and it actually spread it spread up into my abdomen oh my goodness and i had some lymph nodes and it was pretty aggressive the doctor told me he goes you know you're really lucky that we we caught this now because this is an extremely aggressive cancer and you you could be gone pretty soon but i'm confident that it's extremely treatable and so i kind of carried that mindset with me that i could beat it and uh here i am and that was that was about eight that was about halfway through my life, if you want to do the math on how old I am. So it was, it was, a <laughs> I'm pretty, a little older. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, what's crazy about that. It's kind of like, if you weren't playing football and if you hadn't gotten hurt, you may not have known and it could have been worse. Exactly. I wow. could have been a regular student. I could have been doing something else and I never would have figured it out until you, know, I, you were all my life. until you were really sick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you go back and look at pictures of me, I probably looked not quite. I looked like I was a little thin, a little frail, like maybe I was losing weight, but right. I was in great shape. I mean, I was playing college football. I was exactly, you yeah. know, I was fine as far as I knew. And so, yeah, I owe my life to Rick and, and my doctors and, and it just that was a crazy period of time. So, yeah, it always amazes me. Uh, folks like yourself, you you beat something like that, and then now, wow, that happened around the time of nine eleven too. So, mm -hmm. and then now you've moved on to on your website. You say everyone can lead a life of fulfillment. Everyone else can encourage and uh, encourage and empower them to do it. Can you expound on that a little? Like, what For do you sure. consider a life of fulfillment? Absolutely. So, taking a step back to the to the cancer thing, that was the most physically challenging thing I've ever dealt with. I'd imagine. Right. I mean that, and that's probably not, you know, you know it's probably not uh, extremely, uh, you know, big news. I mean, you go yeah. to chemotherapy and surgery and it was tough. What I didn't realize though, is the mental toll that it was taking on me. Yeah. And I, I powered through. I said, this is all me. I'm going to be the best cancer patient you could possibly be in the world. I'm going to eat to the T exactly what the doctor told me to eat, not eat, what time of day, how much sleep to get. I had to give myself these shots. I, he said, you should give your shot, yourself your shot around 9 o'clock p.m. I, I was watching my watch until, I mean, right <laughs> when the 9 o'clock came. So I thought that it was all me. And come to find out, it took me a couple of years to really realize to be able to give credit to all the other forces in life that helped me get through that. And so if you talk about people having fulfillment, I really, really believe that everyone can lead a life of fulfillment. It's actually everyone else's job to help them do that. And if I wouldn't have been able to get, I would have been able to get through those times without those people. And I may not have realized it at the time what they were doing for me, as crazy as that seems, especially when oh. you're young, though. Yes, I yeah, think sometimes it's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah, when we're young, we don't really realize it, and then later on, we go, "You know what?" Like you just did with your uncle's friend. You're like, "Hey, that guy technically played a part in saving my life." So yeah, sometimes you got to step back. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Leo. I mean, 
you're right on target with it. So I truly believe that. So it, I now feel that it's my job to take the gifts and talents that I've been blessed with and use them for good as well. I'm not an oncologist. I'm not an athletic trainer. I'm not Tim O'Brien. May he rest in peace and his role where he worked at the organization he worked for in the towers there. But I have my own gifts and skills that I can help people lead a life of fulfillment. Absolutely. And I, and I feel like um, encouraging someone else, actually, it gives you a sense of fulfillment too. Would you agree on that? Yes, yes. And that's a big part. And I, I think a lot of people, it can become a little cliche to mm -hmm. say, it makes me feel good when you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're humans. I mean, that's true. That's how we're built. I mean, Absolutely. we're built on love and positivity and relationships. And so the thing that makes us different, though, are the skills and the ways we go about doing it. You know, you've probably read the book and heard about the, the love languages before. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, we all have different love languages. I, yeah. mean, I know that, you know, my wife has got to be the most patient woman in the world to deal with me. And <laughs> they're saints, aren't they? <laughs> just, just by her patience, that's that, that expresses love to me. Mm -hmm. But the way I express love to her is different and, and the way she experiences is totally different. And so that tells me that we all love love, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. but we express it in a different way. And uh, a story, I, I, can, I can explain something, a way that I learned that lesson in a really positive, encouraging way a few years ago. I was on a uh, trip. I don't know if you ever heard of an organization called Habitat for Humanity. Oh, yes. Yeah. Have you? Okay, cool. So, so for everyone who doesn't know, they, they build homes for people uh, who have who don't have adequate housing. They also work through sanitation and, and water, but their primary mission is to, to build homes for people. So I traveled overseas to an indigenous Mayan community to build a home with a group of people. And I've, I've gone to a couple of different places before, but this one sticks out on my mind the, the most because when I went there, we were having such a great time. And one day we kind of paused uh, to take a little bit of a break. And it was a rainy, like ugly day. And I didn't think anyone was going to go back to honestly back to going back to work because it was really, really hot down there. And then all of right. a sudden it was rainy and disgusting. But then it kind of cleared up a little bit. We were able to go back to work and everyone, I mean, whether they were 70 years old or 20 years old, they jumped back in and went really, I was like, wow, this is really making a difference for these people. Speaking of fulfillment and helping other people, it was really cool. So the interesting thing about this community though, is that they didn't speak English. They didn't, and they're in Mexico now, but they didn't even speak Spanish. They were mm. in an indigenous Mayan community. Right, right. So they spoke in a language called Tzotzil. And we would, no one would ever know that. It's not written language. It's only spoken by these, these, um, these indigenous people. And there was one guy that worked for Habitat that spoke Spanish and spoke Tzotzil and very, very broken English. But I speak a little bit of Spanish, hablo un poquito español. And so I was able to communicate with him a little bit. Well, right. I try to tell him, I said, I said, Sebastian, like, this is really, you know, this is really good. I, I, I think, you know, this is an amazing experience. You know, can we tell the family that we're, we really love what we're doing and we love them? And he was like, sure. So we went over and there was a young lady, she's a teenager, she was the most educated of the whole group. She actually spoke, she could say hello and she could speak a couple words of English actually because she was taking some classes somehow. And we had this conversation and I told Sebastian, okay, can you tell, um, can you tell her what I said? Like we love the experience. And they were going back and forth and communicating 
And it took a minute. And I was like, okay, this is really shouldn't be that hard for him to say, <laughs> say this. It's what just a sentence, right? I can be mixed in cement or something. And, <laughs> and he said, and he came back and he said, you know, he said, Bob, they don't have a word for love. Oh. And I was like, what? Like, how, how can you not have a word for love? That's crazy. Yeah. So he said, so I asked him, I said, so, well, can you kind of explain it to him? And he said, no, don't worry. They know you love them beyond belief because the way that they express their love is through action. Right. And I just, I was so moved by that. It was amazing. Like they don't even have a word for love, but they were the most loving people that you could ever meet. Isn't that something? Because I would think that literally every culture of all the words, there would be a word for love. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, I never like, knew that. Like the Greeks have like 15 words for love. I mean, it yeah. just it depends on the language and, and there's all different kinds of love. And, but that was just that they just, they don't, they don't say the word love. They were, they were very expressive. And so it just, once again, tells me that humans love making each other happy. Like that's Absolutely. totally normal. And we can all do that. We were built to be in community with one another. That's the thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got it, man. So exactly. what about everyone's favorite year, 2020? It was <laughs> without doubt, one of the most challenging years I can think of in my life anyway. And I think everyone else, what were some uh, challenges you were faced with personally? And how did you rise up to meet those challenges? Well, number one challenge is I have a sister and brother-in-law, two nieces and a nephew that live in China. Oh. And so we were... You're just asking the perfect, you're teeing me up. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, you're, I'm like Tiger Woods, but I hate to use that thing. You know, gosh, I hope he's okay with his leg injury. Oh, um, yeah. But you're making, you're, you're putting it high on the tee for me to just <laughs> knock it out. So the the family that we have, my, my wife's sister and her husband, their kids, and we were actually over there visiting in December, January during the holiday season last year. And we took a trip down not to wuhan down there but down in that direction mm -hmm. and so when we came back early january my wife and i got home here and then within a couple of weeks we were like really ill well like oh. terribly ill and it, it hit me a little bit different than it hit her so we weren't sure if it was the same thing and we didn't think anything of it at the time we just we were you know we ended up being okay it last hers lasted a little bit longer mine was really intense for a few days but hers was a couple of weeks and uh we didn't think anything of it. Then the COVID stuff started happening and my sister and brother-in-law caught the pretty much the last flight out of China oh. and they were, they were able to come on, I think it was February 1st. They got to our, our house here and we weren't even home. I was actually, we were on a, a business trip and so they came, my mom met them here and they basically lived with us for most of the year last year. Yeah. They couldn't go back, could they? No. And it ended up being better. It's fine. It's pretty much normal over there where they live now in Shanghai. And they couldn't go back. They wanted to go back. They were stuck in America. It was amazing. Like the, the dichotomy there, just they, they couldn't get out and they couldn't get back. And they're teachers. So they were teaching in the middle of the night because the time's yeah. going on. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it was crazy. So you asked the struggles and things. I mean, listen, it was really cool spending a lot of time with them and, and my goddaughter and, and her sister and brother because we don't see them that much. So that was great. But when you're talking about, 
me, my wife, the five of them, my mom, and then my mother-in-law was not going to have her kids back home in the United States, her grandkids and not see them. So there were nine of us piled in our house that's not built for nine. <laughs> uh, so that was a little interesting. Uh, and then, uh, so family-wise, but it was cool to hang out with them. Thankfully, you know, we were okay. To this day, I don't know if we actually had the virus, uh, but we haven't had any problems since then. Professionally, it was kind of unique because I went for, you know, I have a business that's very involved in working through uh, or, or relationships and, and seeing people in person. So that was caused some issues. Right. I, and it wasn't because of that, but I think that was kind of a catalyst to the more digital experience. My business partner and I actually resigned from our job recently because we wanted to be a little bit more digital and, and work in that space. So we actually just launched a business. So there's been a lot going on here, but to be honest with you, I, I cannot complain. I mean, I do know a couple people that have passed on. Uh, one lady was, was very, very old and ill already. So I do know about a couple people that have died from COVID and that's been painful. Um, right. But my overall personal experience, I mean, I've been, I cannot complain, but I also don't want to make it seem like I'm making light of this situation. I mean, I know. Right. And my, my wife, my wife and I, we say the same thing because we didn't, you know, we didn't lose jobs. Our kids have been fine. They've been going to school. I know there's a lot of talk nationally about kids going back to school. We're like, our kids have been back in school for months. You know, they were off for yeah. a little bit, but then our governor was like, I'll leave it up to the school districts to decide. So our district was like, Hey, you guys can go back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, we've been fine. Yeah. Not to make light of it or anything. We believe we got it early on in the year too, before there was a lot of chatter about it, but, and we believe we got over it too. So, yeah. you know, thankfully, How you? yeah. How How, what was that? How old are your kids? So we have an 18 year old, a 15 year old, a 12 year old. Then we have two foster daughters, uh, oh, wow. little, uh, 20 month old and a three year old. So that man, Leo, that is a, that's a busy household. Wow. Yeah. Oh so God. during the whole, everybody has to stay home thing, you know, that got a little hairy with kids. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So that's crazy. So my wife's a kindergarten teacher. Oh, okay. She's She's been teaching virtual and in person all at the same time for the mm. past year. It's been, it's been nuts. She's she's a saint. I'm telling you, anybody who can juggle that, I always say I, I couldn't be a teacher anyway. <laughs> so if you can no. be a teacher in the first place, all right. Yeah. But then now you got to juggle these two environments. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So so can I ask you, I mean, about your foster kids? I think that's great. We're actually we're hoping and praying that someday we'll be able to to adopt as well because of my medical history we haven't been able to have kids right so um well we've been fostering for about four years now this, this is actually our third placement um, oh wow yeah it's it's uh it's it's a challenge i will tell you that i mean mm -hmm. sometimes you go into these situations i don't think we did the when we first started doing it but you know we're like Cause you have to go through all these hours of training and they tell you, Hey, don't, don't expect everything to be roses and rainbows. Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be rough and it is, it's, it's rough, but then there's really good days too. You know, there's some fulfilling times, but it, it's, it's hard work. It, it can be heartbreaking, especially when, you know, but it's, it's important to remember that the purpose of foster care is to get the children reunified with their family. You know, mm -hmm. if you can remember that every day, you should be fine, hopefully, when the court turns around and says, okay, we're sending them back home, even though you're like, but they shouldn't go home yet because 
A, B, C, D, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, technically that was the whole point. But yeah. Yeah. Now also our, our, our three other children, they're actually adopted. They're from Ethiopia. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. So the I, first time I ever took an international flight, it was to go to Ethiopia. <laughs> wow. That's, well, that was like, I've had the chance to do some traveling, especially because of the family that lives in China, but I've never, I've never been over to Africa. I'd love to go there. So I, we we're hoping to go. We were supposed to actually, I, so another long story, but I actually won a trip at a fundraiser for a, for a foster home uh, charity <laughs> event to go to Egypt. So, but we couldn't go last year. So I would love to go over to Africa. I bet you that was quite an experience. Yeah. Ethiopia is beautiful. I, I learned a lot for one, for one thing. Uh, I didn't know Ethiopia is tropical. So when we get there, oh, it's yeah. like they, they were saying, well, it's winter. They're walking around with sweaters and wearing t-shirts and shorts. And they're like, well, it's <laughs> winter here. Like what? <laughs> you guys <laughs> don't know winter. <laughs> this is not winter. So it moving. sounds like the people at the locals down here in Florida. Sometimes my wife's from Michigan and she always laughs when it's like, <laughs> it's like 65 and they're bundled up. Like it's the world freezing over. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so in your podcast, I believe it was, uh, having in notes episode 32, you were mentioning the importance of sharing authentic messaging. What, what exactly would you say is authentic messaging? It's a message that you truly believe in and not something that you just heard. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you asked about last year too, not to mention not only the COVID situation, but also social justice issues and, and political things going on. There was a lot of tension, if you will. And there's still a lot of tension to be yeah. quite honest. Uh, but, and I, but I believe that authentic messaging is something that you truly believe and that you can express uh, in, in a good way. I mean, we're all not going to agree with each other, right? I mean, we're just, we were just kind of talking about how we like to love each other differently. Well, we're also human. We like to, we have disagreements about things that, that, that aren't necessarily good at some at certain points. And so authentic messaging to me is really being able to express what it is that you truly believe without sugarcoating it, without uh, being, uh, you know, influenced by, by other people for other reasons. It's just truly what you, what you think. And I found that the vast majority of people are good people. And a lot of times it's either ignorance or misunderstanding that causes disagreements. And so if you are going to share what you truly believe, most of the time, I, I feel like as long as you're, you're not, like I said, influenced by outside sources or have other ulterior motives, it's going to be a productive conversation. Oh, you hit on so many things that I believe in. First of all, <laughs> with, um, like you mentioned, some of the social issues that are going on, I always Sometimes I cringe when people chant because I'm like, well, you're just saying the same thing over and over again. And then a lot of times you're just swept up in a crowd. Do you even know what you're talking about? You know, so to me, a lot of times that doesn't seem very authentic. But then you talked about, you know, yeah, we have our differences and those differences are never going to go away. That's part of the human experience. But there's nothing wrong with articulating and sharing and working through our differences. But yeah. It, 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 it drives me crazy sometimes when I hear people, I'm like, well, did you even hear what that guy was saying? <laughs> he was, he was trying to explain to you. And then people start chanting and tempers rare, you know, rise. And it's like, then the messaging gets lost. So. No, it's tough. And, but you're, yeah, I, I'm right with you. I, I agree with you, Leo. I think, I think 
Well, first of all, I don't want, before I start giving you what I think, let me tell you what I know. And I know for a fact that I'm an imperfect being. Very, what? very imperfect. Well, and, that, no, well uh, uh, I got you on the show for your perfection. No, I'm just <laughs> But if you can acknowledge, but, but if you can truly acknowledge that, and there's a sense of humility mm. that is valuable in leadership and in communication. And if you can acknowledge that, that you have your flaws, and, and work towards towards fixing them or work towards understanding things that you don't better, I think that's half more than half the battle is just taking that step. And Absolutely. then once you're in that mindset, I feel like I've had some I've had some great conversations with people. And you know, I grew up in an environment down in South Florida that's very, very diverse. Mm -hmm. From I mean, I saw views, I saw religions that people that I know never heard of. I, I lived with, uh, was friends with, went to school with people of all different races. Um, I was, I, you know, I had a, a chance to experience multiple languages and cultures. I mean, when I, when I grew up, my best friends, I, I learned so much from, from just spending time with my best friend's family. One of my best friends was Cuban. And anytime I would go over there, and have dinner or experience their family culture, I would learn all about their traditions. And then another one of my one of my best friends uh, was Jewish. And I used to go over there and they were like, they were so educational with me. And I grew up in a Christian home and I learned so much from them too. And then when I went, you know, when I went out into that college experience after my whole cancer, and that was, a, like I said, it was a blur. But my college experience was, was, was almost, it was probably, you know, because when you go to college, there's thousands of people and you're living on campus and you experience different cultures. I was pretty ready for that, which was which was good, which was really, really good. And so I've had I've had the opportunity to, to get different perspectives and always I, I growing up, I needed I was almost forced to. I don't want to give myself credit like I I developed this on my own. It was kind of a forced uh, understanding of other cultures, which was vitally, vitally important for, uh, for me over the past year, for sure. And all those can because I can go back to those people now that some of them I haven't talked to in years, but I can go back and say, Hey, what's your perspective on this? Uh, some of my buddies from college, actually, I hadn't talked to in, in 18 plus years last year, I got back in touch with a couple of them. Uh, when, when a couple of the, when a couple of the killings happened, and I, we had these, we had amazing conversations, like better conversations that we had in four years of college and living on top of each other, playing football and going to class and whatever else college kids do. So it really, really that, that ability to communicate um, and understand other cultures is so important. I, I, I think, I think that's something that's going to be, that's going to be more prevalent now in this communicate, you know, in this world where technology can let us communicate. I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, would you agree? Or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, because there's two sides to it. Cause then, you know, unfortunately now we have people segmenting themselves off using technology. So there's, uh -huh. yeah, you know, so we still have, and I'm just going to call them what I feel they are. They're separatists. They're going to separate themselves, not only from people, but they're also going to use technology to create their own little technological uh, separate societies. And I think that's a horrible mistake. You know, I, I agree with you 100% cause I, I grew up in, you know, we grew up around all people, same thing. My parents yeah. taught us, 
you love all people. You judge every person by that person. You don't just go, oh, those people. No, not necessarily, you know. Yeah. And it, it's funny you mentioned going to college and that being an advantage for you because I've known people who they'd go off to college and then there's this big cultural shock because they're like, mm-hmm. I've never been around these kinds of, you know, and then they have no idea. So it's, mm-hmm. it's almost a disadvantage for them. But I remember, I remember one of my one, one year we were, we we're playing video games late at night. Okay. This is what college kids do now. I had an Xbox that was right around the time the Xbox came out. Where I don't know if you ever played the game Halo before. Oh yeah. <laughs> but one of these guys that was on the team that was on the football team with us, really really nice guy. I actually ended up playing. I had a cup of tea in the NFL. But he had transferred from Virginia to Hofstra, and he was ineligible for various reasons. But he had a wife and kids. It was kind of crazy. He was this older guy, <laughs> but he was a really really nice dude. But he had nothing to do during the day because he couldn't go to class because he was ineligible. Couldn't play football. So basically he was living on campus for free with his wife and kids. And he created a website for this Halo clan. Like he, he was doing all this research and we figured out before they had Xbox Live and internet connections, how to, and I helped him and I, we figured out how to connect our Xbox to the internet. Right. And we would play like all hours of the night. Like I said, what college kids do. Well, one of these nights, it was me, him, one of our other guys, a couple of the other guys in the team and this other kid that we knew that was from, where was he from? Um, I think he, I, I wanna say it was India. But we we actually stopped playing video games that night. We didn't even realize it. We just never signed into the next game or whatever. And we had this incredible discussion about all the different cultures and religions and, and, and all that stuff. And I'll never forget, it was so cool because I was like, wow, this is like, this is what life is about. You know, like yeah. it, it was just, and we're all young people, except for Arlen. He was like 25. Because <laughs> he had but, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was fun. It was just a good time. So, yeah, I mean, that 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 diversity and, and, you know, understanding, like, giving each person their own shape, if you will, rather than grouping them. You know, it just it and, never made sense to me. And, and to me, you know, that's literally what life is all about, just maintaining a natural curiosity uh, of all things and people. I mean, oh, that's... Yeah. That's literally what this podcast is about. People ask me, you know, I often get asked, um, you know, especially if you talk to, you know, people want to talk about sponsorships or whatever. And they say, well, what's it about? So I tell them, you know, I, I give them the tagline and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. But deep down inside, this podcast is really just about curiosity. And I've met some amazing people like yourself and I love it. It's like, it, it, so I, I, I feel like I have this natural curiosity and I love to share it with people. And I, I, I hope to convey to people, you know, the world's a great place. There's a lot of bad things going on, but you know what? There's, it's a great place. And I'll never let go of that myself. So <laughs> you just got to stay curious. Yeah. I love that. I love the term natural curiosity. I mean, and I've probably used those two words in the same sense before, but not like that. I mean, I, those are the, it's true. It's just that, that natural curiosity, it, it just enables you to, to open your mind a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, change is good and, and new things are, it doesn't mean, you know, your whole life has to flip upside down. It just means that you're just experiencing some of these things. You're understanding how other people think. I mean, and and you know what I've also found? When you have natural curiosity, as you put it, you may actually find a new, better, different, more effective way to use those gifts and skills that you have. It's not always about you changing for other people. Sometimes right. it's about you learning something like, wow, I didn't realize that. Like, I could actually 
use this for that. I didn't even know I could do that. I mean, it's it, it's just good. It's good for personal growth and yeah, it's good all around. So oh, you would not believe the amount of things I've learned <laughs> since I started doing this. And you know what I love, and and I love to tell friends. I learned a lot of it by watching younger people. There are some amazing young people out there, Bob. I don't know if you know that or not, but <laughs> I do. The, I the do. creative, young creative people. I don't. I don't know if it's generational, but it's like these kids. I don't care what people say. These kids these days are amazing. So I just wanted to throw that on. <laughs> no, my so my wife and I, we still we do a lot of uh, mentoring and volunteering with the youth group and, and with these kids, young people, mostly high schoolers. Yeah. But now some of them are getting to an age where they're adults and having kids. I was actually in a wedding <laughs> of one of theirs. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. You're married. Uh, <sighs> but yes, we love, and then we still go on a trip every summer, uh, except for last summer with these kids. And uh, we love it. Yeah. It keeps us young and you are, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you said that because, you know, the millennials, We'll talk about, you know, people will get, they'll get a bad rap. They don't like to, they don't like to be bossed around. They don't like to stay in a job for more than a year. They, and there are some things that there, there's, there's a little bit of a, you know, inconsistency might be the right word, but when it comes to their create, creative mind and their ability to, to problem solve and, and just to create, like you said, it's amazing. On our podcast, we had a lady by the name of Gabrielle Boucher. I, I listened to that one. Yeah. You did you? Yeah. yeah. She's brilliant the way she talks about, and she really understands the psychology of millennials and, and younger too, but mostly millennials for her. But, but those kids that are like the generation, like just after that, like just a little bit younger than the millennials, like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you know, I'm surprised, honestly, that my wife and I are still involved. Like they still <laughs> like to talk to us. <laughs> um, but I, they I, do. They do. So we, we still participate. So I, I tell people all the time if you, if you feel discouraged by what you think young people are doing, go watch Twitch. Are you familiar with Twitch? Yes. Yeah. I should probably watch it more, but yeah, I heard of it. I, it, there's, <laughs> I'm just speechless with some, some of the things these kids that they learn to do and then they teach each other. I mean, these mm -hmm. are basically kids running broadcast studios often out of their bedrooms. And it's just incredible. And they're getting, and a lot of them are getting paid a lot of money to do it, to yeah. sit around and play video games and talk. But aside from what they're doing, it's what's behind it, how they put it all together, how they learn about sound and video and animations and yada, 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 and all this stuff. Mark, they learn marketing, entrepreneurship, literally on their own. I'm like, when I was that age, I wasn't thinking that much. I mean, I was in the programming at that age, but you know, that was in the dark days of programming, but <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was that age, I definitely played video games. Yeah. And, and I, I played a lot of video lot. games. Yeah. But there was no internet. So yeah, we weren't playing on the internet. We weren't, I mean, I wasn't thinking about making a business out of it and, and sound engineering and video. No, no, I was just, it's incredible. So yeah, it is cool. That's really cool. So, yeah, it, it is refreshing. Uh, like I said, I did. I went through your podcast, listened to a few episodes, and uh, it's just refreshing to hear positive encouragement, especially nowadays. But, you know, sometimes we all have those days where you wake up and you just feel a little. Ah. So how, when you have those days, what do you do? I like I like this question because. I've been asked a lot of times, what are my, like, what's my morning routine or 
how do I get jump kickstarted in the morning? And I've always been someone who it's not too hard for me to just jump up. Like I, I sleep pretty light. I'm a pretty, you know, high strung type of person. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you worded this question like that because my struggle is more the day can drag on at times. So yeah, I mean, I absolutely am a positive person. Speaking of impact is all about that. Uh, but I'd be lying if I told you there aren't times where, you know, I'm just kind of struggling to get through, you know, something happened or maybe I'm just a little bit bummed. And, you know, to be honest with you, my answer is to take a step back and do something easily executable, like a simple mm-hmm. task that either makes me feel good or is productive in some way or another. And it may not be related to whatever I'm doing. Let's say if I'm working and I'm getting stressed out because I'm working on business stuff that's not fun or something. Right. Maybe maybe I take a step back and do something really simple like start the walk, because I work from home now, start the wash, cook myself a nice lunch, eat something, go outside, take a quick walk. Just that like five, 10 minute little break of getting, stepping out of that stressful moment for me, uh, that's, that's huge because then I can, then I can kind of flip it around and take a step back in. Whereas if I try to push through, forget it, that then it only goes downhill from there. Once you start going in the wrong direction, you got to take the, you know, you got to take the train on a different track. Yeah. (laughs) So to answer your question in short, it's just do something that's more easy that's more productive that's a it's a a quick win it's a quick dopamine hit it's a quick opportunity to have some some success with whatever little task it is because in my mind when i'm having those tough days that's because something's not going right very Mm -hmm. rarely do i just not feel good about about something it's usually in the moment it's funny you mentioned laundry i have something similar okay cleaning (laughs) yeah i I I will, I will clean the entire house from top to bottom when I have those days. And like you said, after I'm done, it's like, it's like a, it's like a reset button or something. Yeah. I'm sure your wife loves it when you clean the whole house too. Yeah, of course. (laughs) My my wife would come home and like check my temperature. Are you okay? But I I have been known to do some organizing. So I'm I'm an interesting person. I'm a, a neat freak. Me too. <laughs> I but get I'm accused not a of germaphobe. it. Me so either. <laughs> like, it's a weird situation. So, like for example, like if you're in the kitchen, right? Oh my gosh! Out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're <laughs> you about you're, going. Yep, you're about uh, to talk about me too. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, basically, what I'm saying is, you can easily drop some food on the floor, and I'll still eat it. But if there's like something on the counter that's out of place, mm. like that's more important that I, that I make sure that that's like the, the label is facing forward or it's not, you know, oh. or the, all the potatoes are next to each other. <laughs> well, so. I, I have this thing too. And my wife sometimes and the kids, they'll make fun of me. And it's, I think it's just the way I was brought up. Like I cannot go to bed if the kitchen is a mess. Like absolutely the kitchen has to be clean before I go to bed and I'll do it. I don't care. They can just get out of the way and I'll clean everything. (laughs) Yeah. And they think it's so funny. You got to make sure that the floor, you know, there's not stuff on the floor. The stove is smooth and shiny. Absolutely. You you should see it now. (laughs) (laughs) I did it before we got started. So, (laughs) yeah, I made sure I actually did this. I cleaned up most of it tonight and I had a run up to get, to get prepared. And, um, we were talking about stuff and I actually, 
ordered is probably not the right word, but I, re I requested that my wife start the dishwasher. So I think she did. I, I hear it in the background. So I didn't have to do all of it tonight. Good, good. And, and you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, sadly, you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier about how things are going these days. You know, it's often it, it, the the global messaging, especially the national messaging, everything just seems to be so divisive and negative and negative. If you could have a bullhorn that everyone across the world could hear you, what would you say to them in light of all the negativity? What would be one message you'd want to for everyone to hear if you had that opportunity? Well, the broad message would be listen to each other. Mm. And the request or the actionable item, I mean, I guess listening is an action, but I mean, the, the command, if you will, would be ask your brother or sister or someone you know to sit down, ask them to give you 15 minutes so you can talk about their perspective on whatever issue or whatever, whatever the main issue problem is that you're thinking about. And I've actually tried this with people recently because, and, and without fail, every single person has said yes. There's never been a person that said, no, I don't want to talk to you about our issue or whatever it might be. Right. And I think that's a great start. And, and I think, I mean, how could you, if someone came up to me and said, hey, listen, Bob, you know, um, I'm struggling with this problem. Can you help me? I mean, how could I say no to helping someone? Or if it was literally, they had a problem with me. So that especially, if I, if I literally had a, an issue with someone and they said, listen, you know, Bob, I'm not quite, I'm disagreeing with you on something, um, but I, I'd like to talk about it. I mean, how could you say no to that too? And I think that would just, that would help us take such a vast step forward. And so asking people, can I have some, can, can we sit down and just have some time together? Can we talk for 20 minutes on the phone? Can we do a Zoomy? Can we do a podcast and record it? I don't know, whatever, just talk about it. And that, and that would be really, really helpful for whatever, all these, all these issues. And, and you, I think you could tie that to something you said earlier when you said, I'm not perfect. Because I feel a lot of times when if you bring something to someone, if you say, hey, look, there's something I need to talk to you about, about something you did or said the way it affects me. A lot of times nowadays, it seems like most people's reaction is to first get defensive instead of admitting, hey, I might have made a mistake. I better I should listen to what they have to say and then act that way. Yeah, totally, totally. And now the messaging from the person who asked too. You know, and I'm I'm totally guilty of this. Speaking of one of my shortcomings, you know, I'm a little I'm a, I am kind of high strung, so I've worked on this over the years. But if someone just came at me and said, "Hey, I got a problem with you," you know, why are you doing that? I probably would get defensive. Yeah. yeah. So you got to learn how to frame that better and be less aggressive or less uh, convicting with your questioning. Absolutely. But that's a that's a really that's a really deep thought or, or question really like what's the bull and what is it that the world needs to hear right now and I, and I really do i mean i really think that the listening aspect of it is very important i heard a, a quote or a point i can't remember where i heard it the other day and it, they were talking about the difference between hearing and listening mm -hmm. and they took it like a step further so i've always understood you know hearing is just the sounds that you're that you're experiencing and then listening is intentively trying to take in the messaging. 
but they took it a step further and they, they basically said you have hearing you have listen listening and then you have active listening oh yeah active listening right and i'm noticing this i'm noticing you doing this and a good podcast host does this they're actually listening to the response that the person is giving before they're trying to tee up their future question they want to understand what it is because there could either be a follow-up or there's an appropriate way to ask the next question based on what the previous answer was. You can't give really, away trade secrets, Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm giving it away. I'm giving away the trade secrets. But, but that's exactly what you're doing, and that's and that's really valuable. It took me years to get to this point, by the way. <laughs> it really did. Um, because, you know, I, I think a lot of people went through this, especially, again, when you're younger. It's like, why... You know, I'm trying to tell them something and then to learn that, well, maybe it's, you know, over the years you start to learn, well, maybe it's the way I'm coming at them. And then when they do speak, am I really giving them a chance to fully say what they're trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. So it, it took years, it's lots of frustration too. So <laughs> like anything, it's, it's, it's practice. It's, it's just repetitive action is the best way to, to be better at something. Yes, it takes time. It takes learning. Definitely all those things. So what what kinds of things you have coming up for uh, 2020, uh, 2021 now? I almost said 2022. I'm trying to jump ahead. Yeah, you're trying to get out of this year too. Um, well, I, I, I mentioned, uh, I was saying before, my, my business partner, I just just launched a business. Check it out, initiateimpact.com. So we're going to be working really, really hard on that. It's modern financial management for purpose-driven families. And we really, really had this mission after working in the industry for many years that we want to kind of change the, the mindset behind how people manage their, their personal and financial lives. And we want them to think more about what means the most to them and not what necessarily means the most to the bottom line. So that's a big focus of ours. I would really appreciate anyone's feedback on what we're doing and the messaging and you know just like anything it's not for everyone but the more people that will give us provide feedback the helpful the more helpful it is for us to execute our mission then the podcast speaking of impact i mean i'm loving it it's we're on episode we've recorded about 40 episodes or so now and it's very similar conversational style to this one so we're yeah. going to be working really hard on the messaging of that as well to advance a lot of the things that we're talking about here today to encourage people to be open and to be really confident in themselves that they do have gifts and skills that can be used to make a positive impact. And, and I'm also the last thing I'm plugging a lot of things here, forgive me. But, oh, uh, no, plug away. <laughs> these are all really, these are, I'm just really passionate about these things. And the other thing is I just got hooked up with this cohort of first time authors. And so I'm going to be, I'm actually, I'm in the process of writing a manuscript right now. And I'm going to go through this process and, and hopefully submit it for publishing later this year. And it'll be, it'll be ready before the holidays. And so I'm going to be taking uh, advanced orders for people who want to help in the process and kind of read the manuscript before we release it, maybe provide some quotes and just be involved in the editorial and artwork process. So I'm excited about that too, because that's just another way to get the, the, those messages out there. So those are the really three things that I, that I got coming down the pike. Well, I really appreciate it, Bob. I'm so glad you came on to share because like I said, I, towards the end of last year, I started telling people, uh, 2021, I want the show. We're going to 
try to just concentrate more on some positivity because, you know, we could we could go on and on and talk about what's wrong with the world. But what about what's right? And, you know, what do we do to help make things right? So that's what I wanted to focus on. I do believe you're doing an excellent job on that. Like I said, I went through your site, listened to some of your podcast episodes, and I'm like, exactly. This is exactly the kind of stuff I'm talking about. <laughs> the world needs more of you, Bob. Uh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the positive feedback. I, I, I love what you guys are doing, too. And and I'll, I'll say this. You know, you talked about the difference between right and wrong. I mean, you know, a final point that I can make is right and wrong are not it's not, there's black and white there. We all understand that. It's never as simple as just right or just wrong. Right. But I think most people, most people can identify the difference between right and wrong. And so there are things that are bad in the world and there are always going to be, I mean, we are human. Uh, but concentrating on what's bad is one thing, but concentrating on what's good and how that can assist what's bad that's a completely different thing. So we need to acknowledge the things that are wrong, but we have to concentrate on what we know that will work and help to fix those things. Your heart will follow where your eyes lead it. If you focus yes. on negative, you're going to end up there. So <laughs> you got it, man. Absolutely. Well, Bob, once again, you're welcome back anytime. Come back later this year when you start getting things going, you get the book going. Sure. You're welcome back at any time. Thanks cool, for coming. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm and my, my apologies. I'm I'm in the waiting room thinking, <laughs> okay, I'm ready for this show. I'm excited. I need, oh, that, it's it's you okay. Have to click enter. <laughs> Those things fault. happen. You you know things happen. All right. Well, join us again next week, everybody, at 9 p.m. Eastern Tuesday here on Voluntary Input. And again, if you missed, you know, sometimes people will listen to the podcast, uh, the audio version, and if they if you missed the video version and you want to see it. Come back Sunday night at 9 p.m. for Sunday replay so you can see this episode as if you're watching it live, but it's a rerun. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot again, Bob, for coming and take care, everybody. Stay safe, wear your mask and get your vaccine if you can. We'll see you next time.